return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Pastor Randon uh, has been on the staff now for several years and uh, appreciate his heart for Jesus, heart for people, amen. And uh, he's got a word for us tonight. So let's welcome Pastor Randon Funderburg as he comes to share here. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Dave. Yeah. I enjoy sharing at Holy Life Tabernacle Church. And yeah. I enjoy being on staff here as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great blessing. And yeah. I just remember when all that happened, um, how just everything just fit together. The timing was really good. And, and that's how God does it, isn't yeah. it? It's perfect right. timing. Before I start, I just want to say to those watching on Facebook, um, on YouTube eventually when it gets put up there, um, I'm, going to, I'm talking about reaching the lost today, and, uh, and I know that there's people on, that are watching are going to watch maybe even just this first part that don't know Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say, uh, first of all, that Jesus loves you. Amen. And, um, yeah. you know, he, he, uh, yeah. he died on the cross for you. And he had you in mind when he did it, um, individually. And, and uh, to get saved, you don't need to come to a church service, anything like that. You just need to accept him where you're at. But he sacrificed himself for you. He gave his blood for you. He died and he rose from the grave for you. Yes. And so I just want to bless you in Jesus' name yes. and tell you that. Um, if you don't make it yeah. through, the cert, through the whole message or whatever, yeah. uh, he had you in mind. Yep. And uh, that's how much he loves you. So, so I wanted to say... Um, there, but I, tonight I want to talk about reaching the lost. And um, first, I want to read a, a, a story from CBN that Pastor David forwarded to me um, this uh, today. But it's about a guy who was uh, part of a radical Hindu uh, organization, and, and uh, I'm just going to read it here, a little bit of it. It says at 16 years old, Paul um, didn't give out his real name, but Paul was instructed to target Christians by the RSS, a radical Hindu parliamentary organization. Since I was a Hindu and part of the RSS, I became a staunch follower of their Hindu principles. And because of that, killing Christians and pastors became my goal. Paul told, Paul told CBN News, We've concealed Paul's real identity for safety. He says the RSS singles out Christians because so many Hindus in India are abandoning their faith to follow Jesus Christ. One of the group's early founders says Christians are anti-national and hostile and should be treated as such. RSS members often combine religious Hindu education with self-defense classes and exercises. They told us Christianity doesn't belong in, uh, to our country because they are converting people. Uh, therefore, we have to attack pastors and demolish their churches so that our country will remain a Hindu country, said Paul. Hindus make up just, just about 80% of India's population. Muslims are 14%, and Christianity is India's third largest religion with about 26 million followers or 2.3% of the population, and the numbers are steadily growing. Determined to stop the growth, Paul thought he had had his chance when a pastor visited his his hotel. Instead, the encounter changed his life when the pastor shared the gospel with him. He said, my heart was breaking 
when I heard that Jesus Christ's blood was sacrificed for me, that Jesus Christ loved me and he gave his blood for my sins. Yeah. He says, I dedicated myself to Christ right then and there. Wow. And, uh, you know, I think about, uh, so I, my, my message is titled Reaching the Lost. Yeah. And uh, when this came across, you know, I, I had already been working on this message and it was just so fitting yeah. for the message that um, what caused him to come to Jesus? It was that he heard that Jesus sacrificed himself for him. Yeah. When he heard that Jesus loved him, and he gave his blood for his sins. Yeah. And I thought, um, and I, I've just been kind of meditating on this, and uh, just over the, even the past um, four or five days, just my message and what I wanted to say. Yeah. And um, one thing that Jesus did so well, obviously, because God is love, but he loved people. Yep. Amen. He loved people. Yeah. Um, he didn't judge people. He didn't, um, he didn't even tell them that you're, what you're doing is wrong. Um, no, he loved them first. And without, no matter what their sin was, yeah. no matter what their lifestyle was. And uh, I'm just going to real, just right away, we're going to start with Luke 15, 1 through 10. Father, we just thank you that this is going to bless people tonight, yes. Yes. Uh, Lord, and that it's going to bless us just on how we deal with people and, and listen and react to people that um, maybe don't know you. In yes. Jesus' name, amen. And it says, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Yeah. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. And, um, you know, Jesus had a heart for the lost. Yep. I mean, he has a heart for the lost. It wasn't about their lifestyle of sin. It wasn't about what they've done. It wasn't about who they were a part of. It was about loving the person that God created them to be. And I think under everybody, God created us to be somebody. Amen. Yep. He created us to be a, ch- a child of his. Um, and... When we, when we understand that and have that revelation from the Holy Spirit, it's amazing, isn't it? When we yeah. know that, that Jesus loves us and he died for us. Um, and there's so many people out there that don't know, uh, don't know that. Just think, you know, in India, 26 million followers only takes, makes up 2.3% of the population. Just think how many millions, billions of people in the, in the, in, on the earth that don't know Jesus. Yep. And, uh, and so I wanted to talk about this and I wanted to ask, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, we call ourselves a Christian. What does it mean? And it means we're a follower of Christ, right? That's what being a Christian is. Um, and a part of that, you know, it means believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. But it also, in, in, in that, means that we follow the commandments laid out for us in the Bible. And the commandments are what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And it says in the Bible that, on those two hang all the laws and the prophets. So 
you know, that you have um, the Ten Commandments in the Old, in the old Covenant. Um, if you love God and love people like you love yourself, I mean, there's really three commandments in there. Amen. It's loving God, loving people, and loving yourself. That's part of it. Um, but you're going to fulfill everything that Jesus was trying, that God was trying to fulfill in the law with, with the people of Israel. And so everything we do and how we treat people should be influenced by our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why I say that how we treat people, um, Christianity is also that. Having a relationship with Jesus is also how we treat people, is also how we minister to people. And so we can have people, you know, we could be um, with maybe a family member who we know really well, and maybe it's easier to be a little harsher to a family member, especially if you know them really well, if they're, um, you know, somebody that that you've known for a long time. Uh, And maybe, you know, maybe that is a way to go. You know, James talks about, um, you know, for some, you know, basically scaring them into repentance (laughs) is is the way to go. But by and large, loving people into the kingdom is what we want to do. Amen. Amen. We want to love people into the kingdom. And, uh, you know, we can talk to people. We can befriend befriend people who don't follow Jesus, um, either ignorantly or willingly. Maybe they they don't know, or maybe they don't want to know. Maybe they they uh, they they've heard something and they didn't like it, and so they just say, "I'm against it." You know, um, you know, you're going to run into people in both that are ignorant and that just willingly don't want to serve Him. Um, but you can do that without departing from the gospel. Yep. Amen. So being a friend to somebody Amen. who is living a, a worldly lifestyle without losing your faith or without compromising your faith. Um, I really believe that sometimes Christians will, um, you know, kind of keep somebody at an arm's length um, because they don't want to fall into maybe that temptation. Or people keep, you keep somebody at an arm's length, not you, but um, some Christians might keep people from at an arm's length because they don't want to, want people to think they're associated with that or with that person. And, um, but I noticed in Luke 15:2 it says this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Um, you know, it seems to me sometimes you know Christians feel that if we talk with or befriend somebody who has an alternative lifestyle, maybe, um, or is an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever the case may be, people think that maybe that you're condoning it. Like, oh well, I see him hanging around with so and so a lot. Um, they might, they must think that's okay, or um, they may think that I'm compromising my faith because I'm hanging out with this person, or or hanging out with the wrong crowd. And so I think the natural tendency is to want to see them saved, but praying for them at a distance. Like, Lord, save that person over here. I don't want to get too close because I don't want to tarnish my faith. I don't want to tarnish uh, my reputation as a Christian. But notice that Jesus received sinners. He received those who were lost. He ate with them. He broke bread with them. He fellowshiped with them. And this word sinners, when I, when I looked at according to the Thayer's Greek lexicon, uh, it means people who were preeminently sinful, especially wicked, specifically of men stained with certain definite vices or crimes. And so these weren't just people that didn't keep the law. Um, these were people that repeatedly broke the law. Jesus ate with these people. Um, he ate with people that were notorious for their crimes. 
he ate with people that were notorious for uh, maybe sexual immorality, um, maybe um, notorious for being a drunkard, maybe a notorious for um, committing adultery, or maybe notorious for um, thievery or different things like that. And Jesus was around these people all the time. The Bible says he was a, he's a friend of sinners. Amen? And, and as I was studying this, it just came to my mind, and just, it just continued to come to my mind, be a friend of sinners, be a friend of the lost, be a friend of people that don't feel like they fit into Christianity or the world. Um, just continue, just be a friend, be a friend, be a friend. And so, you know, the people, again, who ate with Jesus, just, they weren't just people not following the Jewish law. It was like, oh, they don't go to synagogue every week. Um, no, these were, these were <laughs> preeminently sinful, especially wicked people. Yeah. Uh, people that even the world gave up on. Amen? Yeah. And uh, so not only did Jesus not mind being around sinners, he didn't mind others knowing that he was around sinners. Yeah. Amen? He didn't mind the, the priests or the Jews knowing that he was eating with sinners, that he was eating with people that didn't know um, anything maybe about Jewish law especially, but people that, that completely went the opposite way. And, um, you know, as I was reading, I, I started to feel kind of convicted because I don't, I don't have a lot of friendships with people that are lost. I know people that are lost, but I wouldn't say that I, I converse a lot with people that are lost. Um, you know, and I, I just continued... But the Lord kept bringing me down this down this this path, this message, and um, Luke seven thirty four says, "The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a man who is a glutton and a wine drinker, a friend of tax collectors and notorious sinners." So again, known by the Pharisees as a friend of tax collectors and the notorious sinners, and it said that uh, you know some might say, "Well, the Bible." says we're not supposed to fellowship with those who are sexually immoral or maybe um, or alcoholics or extortioners. But if we look at this verse, let's go to 1 Corinthians 5, 9, because that's where you can find this reference. And, uh, and again, we want to we read, read the word in context. And Paul says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetedness, or extortioners, or idolaters, since you would need to go out into, out, since you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such person. So Paul, you know, there was obviously another epistle that he had wrote the Corinthians before uh, that may, didn't make it in here, right? We have First Corinthians here, but. He, he wrote this epistle and he, and he reiterated that I didn't mean don't eat with the people, the sinful people of the world, right? Um, or to keep company with the sinful people of the world. Uh, and I love what he says, if you did that, you would need to go out of the world in order to save people. Because in order to save people, you have to fellowship with people. Amen? And uh, I think it's something that we all know. I feel like I feel like something that like oh yeah we need to love people you know we need to uh, you know treat them like Jesus treats them. But really for me the revelation came in was uh, be close to people. Mm-hmm. Be close to people that are in a lifestyle that maybe doesn't line up with the word. And I'm gonna I'll expand on that. Don't start throwing Bibles at me yet. Um, <laughs> 
But one thing the Lord has shown me is that we have to read not only the context of what's written, but who the Bible is talking to, or who Paul is talking to, or Jesus is talking to, and what he's talking about. Because there's certain scriptures that uh, Paul is talking to believers, and he's, and he's just talking to believers. And there's some scriptures that he's talking to unbelievers. Um, and we want to really be able to discern, amen? Discern who Jesus is talking to, who's Paul, who's Paul talking to, so we can get a good revelation of what he's saying. So in this, obviously the Corinthians, they thought, well, we just won't deal with people because um, everybody that we know that needs to be saved, they're sexually immoral, they're covetous, they're idolaters. But no, what is he saying? He's saying, no, the people that are outside of Christianity, people that don't know Jesus, yeah. no, he says, keep company with them. Yeah. Keep company with them. Reach out to them. Be a friend to them. Amen? The point is that we're in, we're in this world, and to save the lost, we have to keep company with those who are lost. Amen? Yeah. And it's good to have, um, you know, great to have Bible study, and great to be in church, um, but outside of, the, uh, outside of the church, or a group, or whatever, you want to go out into the world. Amen? Amen. I'm talking to myself. I'm not. This isn't anything like that. I, I, I really. This is just such a strong impression on me that I wanna, I wanna befriend more people who don't know Jesus. Amen. I wanna be friends with people more that don't know Jesus. Amen. And I think, um, yeah, this doesn't mean that we don't that we do worldly things that others do. Another scripture I think gets wrongly interpreted sometimes is Psalms 1, verse 1 and 2. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, his law, uh, and in his law he meditates day and night. And so I used to think, you know, even in my just reading it, I used to think, well, I've got to stay away from that. I've got to stay away from sinners. Like, I don't want to walk in the path of sinners. I'll back up and let them walk in front of me, whatever. But what that really means is don't get caught up in the sin. Amen? Don't, don't just stand there. Pastor Dave's taught on this before. Um, first you start to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And then you get comfortable enough just to stand um, in the path of sinners. And then you get comfortable enough to sit down in the seat of the scornful. And so what the scripture really means is, is no, we want to be friends to people who don't know Jesus, but don't engage in the sin that's being engaged in. Amen? Doesn't mean we don't befriend somebody who's lost. Just don't engage in the sin. We don't want to be drawn into the sin, but we want to be drawn to the sinner. Amen? Actually, I should say it like this. We don't want to be drawn into the sin, but we want the sinner to be drawn to us. Because Jesus, sinners were drawn to Jesus. Amen? The only way we can do it, though, successfully, is to keep ourselves built up in the Word. Amen. Amen? Because if you get out of the Word and you, and you start befriending people who are lost and are in different lifestyles and different things, well, pretty soon you're going to be pulled into that lifestyle because your anchor is gone, right? So we've got to anchor in the Word. Amen. And that's why I really, I really believe that, um, you know, it seems so simple. Love people. Okay, love people. But it takes people that, that want to continue to grow. Okay? It takes Christians who want to continue to grow in the Word and want to continue to hold on to the Word. Because if we don't hold on to the Word, we're going to drift, right? So if we hold on to the Word, 
we can really start to fulfill these scriptures of loving God and loving people, loving those who are lost, being friends with those who are lost, being friends with those who... Um, that's, why, that's why Jesus says, be kind um, to the unthankful and to the evil. Yeah. What are you saying? Be, be friends. Like, yeah. If you can befriend somebody who's unkind or unthankful or yeah. evil, be friends with them because that's what Jesus did. Yeah. Amen? I think it's, such, it's so much deeper than just loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Amen? It's building a relationship. Yeah. Amen? Because as soon as we take, like I said, as soon as we take the word out of the equation, we're going to fall to those temptations. So we've got to stay in the word. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? And I love what the, how the New Living Translation says it. It says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And, and so when we show love to somebody, his kindness and his goodness just come through us. Amen? When we, when we actually showing love and we're, we're friends with somebody who doesn't know him, his kindness is coming through. His goodness is coming through. And so when Pastor Dave sent me this today, about, uh, and I loved his description, he said, My heart was breaking when I heard that Jesus Christ's blood was sacrificed for me. That's what, that was the message, that was the gospel message that he heard. That Jesus Christ loved me, and he gave his blood for my sins. And that's what turned him. And he said, I dedicate, right then and there. I, I had a plan to kill this pastor, but right then and there, I decided to give my life to Jesus. <laughs> dedicated his life to Jesus. Hallelujah. We might, we're probably not going to be dealing with people, or, or even having to love people, or witness the people that are trying to kill you. Um, this is a this is something that many other countries have to face, yeah. but just anybody on your job, anybody in your family, Amen. hallelujah, um, students, anybody in your classes, professors, yeah. bosses, being kind, right? being kind, Amen. showing the love of Jesus, yep. hallelujah. So His kindness and His goodness shine through us, and I really don't believe it's our job to tell people how to live. Okay, and I'm going to go into that a little bit. You know, if somebody seeks my advice or opinion, I'll, I'll be happy. Like, I'll give you my advice, I'll give you my opinion, but if you don't seek my advice, advice or my opinion, if you're not a part of the family of God already, I'm just going to love you. I just want to love you. Yeah. Amen? I just want to love you. Yeah. I, don't want to, I don't want to give them advice if they don't want it, because what does that do? Most of the time it pushes people away, doesn't right. it? Yeah. Now, there's times where... You know, if somebody's on their deathbed, it's like, you know, they don't know the Lord. Then that's a time you're like, <laughs> you're a little more forceful maybe because you want them to be saved. They're on their deathbed, right? But just somebody that, that you befriend, just love them. Amen? If they have a cigarette in front of you or they have a drink in front of you or whatever like that, we don't have to tell them oh, you shouldn't be doing that. We don't have to say that. Jesus never said that. Amen? What did he do? He befriended people first. He gained trust. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's not about the advice I give, but that I appoint them, that I point them to the best advice giver. Amen? Our job is to love them and allow the Holy Spirit to give them revelation. I want, to, I want people to be a follower of Jesus and not a follower of me. 
Amen. Isn't that our goal? Um, you know, Paul said, um, I planted Apollo, Apollos watered, but who gets the increase? God gets the increase. Amen. So it's all about him. That's why when we witness, we want to point people to Jesus. And it's not, again, it's not about how much we know, but it's about who we know. We know the one who calls us, like, like uh, Deb said, our belo- the beloved. He calls us cherished. Amen. And uh, he calls, you know, people that, that aren't even in his family. He goes out and searches for them so that he can call them loved and cherished and blessed. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 through 5, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so what I see Paul saying is here is, I didn't come with all this wisdom and this knowledge about the Scriptures and this knowledge about Jesus. No, I came, he said, um, determined to not know anything. I came as kind of like ignorant, like, yeah. hey, who are you guys? You know, I came as a friend, right? Not as somebody who's a pastor, or an evangelist, or a missionary. He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and, the pow- uh, of, the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yeah. Amen. So I always say our job is to inform. Our job is to love. I want to inform people how good Jesus is. I want to inform yeah. people how much he loves them. No matter where they're at right now, they, he, Jesus loves you, and he has a good plan for your life. Yep. Amen. Yep. And then it's the Holy Spirit's job to persuade by the demonstration of the power. Yep. Amen. Yep. In their life. Yep. Okay. So there's a lot of times, um, you know, the Bible says that signs and wonders will follow us. Yep. Amen. But a lot of times when we're, when we're one-on-one, we're ministering to somebody, the signs and the wonders might not even, like, we might not even see them, but they're going to happen in the life of the person that Amen. we're ministering to. Amen. Something that we might not think is a big deal might touch them greatly. Yeah. Amen. That's a sign. That's a power. Demonstration of power. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you give a word and you just think you weren't even praying. The word just came to you. Um, you know, stability, whatever the, whatever the word is to somebody. And that just, oh, that just hit them. Yeah. And that could have been a demonstration of power in their yeah. life Amen. that gets them to ask more questions, amen, amen. Yeah. gets them to want to know more yeah. about this thing we call the gospel, yeah. right? He may use us uh, with the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, but it's important that people know that it's the Holy Spirit who's behind it. Yeah. We want the Holy Spirit to be behind it. Just think about all of Jesus' personal ministry that he did yeah. um, when he was one-on-one with people. Um, you know, most of the time, the demonstration of power is personal to them, right? Um, just think of the woman at the well. You know, and he's just with her, just one-on-one, woman at the well. And he starts telling her things about her life. Yeah. And just think of the change that happened in her from when she, before she met Jesus yeah. and after when she went back and told all the men, hey, you got to come see somebody who knows everything about me. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so, so when we minister, minister to people, there's going to be a we should be able to see a change. If they're, if they're open to it, yeah. we're going to see a change in their life. Amen? Yeah. Amen. But it's not us. The, we're not the ones changing it, are we? The Holy Spirit changes it. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Wasn't, you know, when Jesus ministered, it wasn't usually an outward sign. It wasn't something that happened. There wasn't rattling or thunder or anything like that. Um, so when we personally minister to the lost, yeah. 
They're going to see things in their life that the Holy Spirit does to persuade them to follow Jesus. Remember when Jesus fed the 4,000 and the 5,000? How many of those people became followers of Jesus after that? Not a lot, right? Because there's only 120 in the upper room. So not a lot of those 4,000, 5,000 people, maybe they followed him for a while until his, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood sermon, um, but they didn't believe, right? A lot of ministry that you're going to do is going to be one-on-one personal ministry. Even as, even as a, a pastor of a, of a local church or, um, you know, uh, you know, evangelist go, you know, travels around, but a lot of people that I'm going to witness to are going to be people that I'm talking with one-on-one. Okay? So just because I, I speak to people, like multiple people at a time, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to minister to you. People, I want to minister to people that don't know them, right, as well. So we want to, we come to church, we want to grow, amen, we want to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, hallelujah, but when we go out, that's when the ministry starts. This is the training ground, amen? This is the training ground for going out and ministering to those who are lost. Hallelujah. Maybe the demonstration of power is a breakthrough in their finances. Maybe you pray for them and there's a shoulder pain that gets relieved and healed. That could be the breakthrough. Amen. If there's an encouragement in a difficult situation, you pray for somebody's situation and it starts to improve. Amen. We sometimes don't know what's big to them, right? What's small to us might be really big to them. Or what's big to us might be really small to them, right? I love what Paul says. He says, um, I became all things to all men. To, To the Jews, I became a Jew. To those under the law, I became as if under the law. To those without the law, I became as someone who doesn't have the law without sinning, you know, not under the law of Christ, but without the law. And, you know, for us, not I'm not saying, like, if somebody's a drunk, we have to become a drunk. Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. But if somebody, you know, if I'm going to talk to somebody, I'm going to, what do we have in common? Is there anything that I can start to get the ball rolling? Do I have... You know, and, and maybe I'll throw something out there, and, and if they have something in common with me, maybe that's who I am to them. Amen? If they love basketball, man, I'm a basketball player. I'm going to talk to them about basketball. If they love golf, man, I'm a golfer. I'm going to talk to them about golf. Okay? I'm not going to talk to them about what I want to talk about. I want to talk to them about what they want to talk about. What's, gonna, what's going to fuel them? What's going to gain trust in people that we talk to? Yeah. Amen? We want to continue to reach out, continue to share your testimony, continue to throw in and talk about Jesus and the, and the love that he has. Amen? Let's go to John 8, 1 through 12. Hallelujah. This is my last verse, I think. It's a long one. We're going to read it all the way through, and then we'll go back through it. So, but Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives, and he came in the, uh, early in the morning. And now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought, him, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in, his, in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This, they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. 
So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Yeah. And the first thing I, I noticed when I read through it again, and I, haven't, I hadn't really seen it before, but in verse 2, notice it says that he came into the temple and all the people came to him. And I always, whenever I pictured it, I always thought that it was just Jesus and the disciples and the Pharisees and this woman, but there was a gathering. There was a crowd. Yeah. Amen. And um, you got to wonder, and they're probably thinking, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? Yeah. And again, uh, Jesus wasn't concerned about what people thought. He wasn't concerned about what people thought about him, talking or, or raising up the woman. You know, I, he might have even grabbed her hand to raise her up. Who knows? Might have been might have spoke softly to her. We don't know exactly how he spoke or what, like that, but there was obviously, there was a befriending. He befriended her, right? He made her feel comfortable in his presence. And so, a bunch of people around. Second thing I noticed is um, how the scribes and Pharisees brought him a woman who was caught in the middle in the act of adultery. Okay, Caught in the act. And so she was probably, you know, dirty, probably, you know, just was embarrassed, right? right. Yep. Was um, humiliated, right? Knew what she was doing was wrong, but now she's in front of this rabbi, this um, the son of God, who, what is he going to say to me? Right. right? And, they, and they set him, it says they set him in the midst, right in the midst, right in front of everybody, Right. right? And then Jesus said, so they said, they're caught in adultery. Moses commanded that she should be stoned. And that's when Jesus says, he stooped down and wrote, wrote on the ground. He says, if you don't have sin among you, cast the first stone. You condemn her. Right? And when they all left, he said, where are your condemners? And they said, uh, they're not here. And what did Jesus say? Neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah, I know what they, what they caught you in the middle of, but I don't care. I'm not going to condemn you. Just go and sin no more. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And it wasn't like a, better not, better not do that again. That wasn't what he was saying, was it? What was he saying? He's saying, no, I know you're better than this. Like, I love you so much, I know you can do this. Amen? Yep. Amen. He never, and the other thing he never did, one, he never justified her sin, and two, he never condemned her sin. So being a friend to somebody doesn't mean that you're justifying their sin. And it doesn't mean that you're condemning their sin. You're an impartial viewer <laughs> in this friendship, right? Yeah. To them. Amen? The other thing Jesus didn't do is he never engaged in sin. You have the Spirit of the Lord inside of you. So even if you are friends with somebody who's in a lifestyle or whatever, you don't have to partake of that. Amen? He who is in you is greater than he's in the world. Me, greater the world. world. 
Um, you know, so don't worry. Don't worry about uh, what people are going to say. Don't worry about how it's, how it's going to be viewed. This life is temporary. The Bible says we're a vapor in this life. Yep. Amen? Our eternal war, reward is, is waiting for us. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen. But he never justified our interactions. When dealing with lost people, we don't have to feel like we need to do either of those things. Our role isn't to justify someone's actions or to condemn their actions, but to be a friend. Yeah. Let them know that you care about them. Yeah. And it really, you know, it really takes the pressure off when you don't have to try to give your opinion about what they're doing. Yeah. Right? It really takes the pressure off when you don't have to uh, say anything about what they're doing or their actions or their past. No, when you're just, when you're just there. And when you're just there, and, and more often times than not, they're not going to bring it, bring it up. They don't want to bring up their past. Right. I mean, they don't. People know when they're doing right and wrong. That's yep. that's inherent in all of us, yep. given by the Lord, right? Yeah. That morality, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So our role isn't to justify. Our role isn't to condemn. Yeah. The only thing He did was to tell her is, is to go and sin no more. Yep. And then verse twelve, and I, I like this again in context. Jesus spoke to them, saying, "I am the light of the world." He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. If someone turns to Jesus, you're, you're a friend of somebody, and they turn to Jesus, yes, they will, if they really turn, they're going to make a choice to walk in the light. Amen. We don't have to pressure them to walk in the light. Amen. We don't have to say, you need to do this, you need to do that. No, they're going to make a choice yep. to walk in the light. Yep. We can be their guide. We can help point them in the direction towards the word, but it's ultimately their choice. So the last thing I want to say is if, you, if you're friends with somebody and they're lost and they just don't want to get into um, you know, Christianity, they don't want to follow the Lord, they don't want to you know, listen to what you have to say, it's okay. It's their choice. Amen? Sometimes, what did Jesus say when he sent out the 70? If they don't receive you, just yeah, wipe the sand, dust off your sandals and go to the next place. Amen. And so we want to be we want to we want to be um, present enough to friend to be a friend and to love, but then also to know when to let go. Amen. Just think, again, Jesus had a bunch of followers, and then he gave one sermon. Man, I'm glad that I don't give a sermon and 99% of my congregation walks out, um, or maybe people turn me off. I don't know, but. Um, you know, Jesus, he didn't, that wasn't what was important to him. Right. Amen. What was important is saving the one lost. Right. The 99 that loved Jesus, you all love Jesus. Amen. We all, we love Jesus. How, aren't, we, aren't we glad that we love Jesus? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, and I love you guys. I care about you guys. But I want to be one of the guys that goes off and finds the one. Yeah. And knows like, okay, my friends will be fine. I'm going to go off and I'm going to be a friend to somebody who doesn't have a friend. Right. I'm going to go and be a friend to somebody who doesn't know the goodness of God. Yeah. Amen. And if, you know what, you're going to have friends. I'm going over, I'm sorry. But there's probably going to be people in your life, if you do this, that are going to look at you sideways. There's going to be people in your life that um, don't want to associate with you anymore because they don't want to associate with who you're associating with. That's okay. Amen. It's okay. We want to do what God's called, and, and this isn't an overnight thing, man. I, as as I'm speaking, as I was even convicted as I was doing this message, I thought, man, Lord, this is hard. 
But I tell you what, he gives us the strength, amen? He gives us the strength. And when we take our mind and our focus off of ourselves, and we put it on him, and we put it on the people that we're ministering to, um, then those feelings of maybe anxiousness or timidity, they go away. Amen. Amen? And we can be bold for him. Hallelujah. So, I really think somebody needed to hear that besides me, besides me tonight. Um, I really do. So I hope it blessed you. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that I was able to say everything that you wanted to say tonight. Um, I thank you that uh, you get all the glory. You get all the praise. Lord, even when people are saved through um, our ministries, Father, we thank you that you get the glory. We point them straight to you, directly to you. Father, and um, I just thank you. I'm excited for opportunities that you're going to give us this week to be a friend, to have a friendship with somebody who uh, we don't know, uh, a friendship with somebody who isn't living for you, a friendship with somebody um, who's going down the wrong path, Lord, that we can just be loved, that we can just love people. And so, Father, I just thank you that you're working in our lives, you're working in Brookings, Lord, I'm so excited uh, for this year. I'm excited for the school year, for all the kids, college age, all the way down to uh, K through 12 and preschool even, Lord, I just thank you that this is going to be a good year. Your word says that the fields are white for the harvest, Lord, and I believe that even today, Lord, that the fields are white. The fields in Brookings are white for the harvest, Lord. And so we thank you that we can take advantage. We thank you that um, even as we ask and pray for boldness, Lord, that you grant that to us, that we can be a witness to somebody, Lord. And, And so... We thank you and end by thanking you, giving you praise for all that you do. Thanking you for giving us your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Lord, that we can go and tell people, because we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of the gospel, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap off for tonight. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.